This Student Ministry 127 podcast is a sermon preached at the 2012 West Coast Baptist Youth Conference by Pastor Kurt Skelly. Pastor Skelly serves as the senior pastor of Harvest Baptist Church in Natrona Heights, Pennsylvania. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. How many of you would say, Pastor Skelly, I have a mom and a dad who are both saved and I'm in a Christian home. Would you raise your hand up good night? Okay, that's what I thought. How many of you would say, Pastor Skelly, I don't come from a Christian home, but at least one of my parents are saved. Okay, that was me. Okay, at least one of my parents. Uh, Who would say, you know, Pastor Skelly, I don't come from a Christian home at all. Neither one of my parents are saved. Would you raise your hand up? Okay, and there's some of you. Appreciate you all coming, and God can use you just as readily as he can use anybody else, but I just wanted to kind of understand where we're at. The vast majority of you come from a good Christian home. That doesn't mean that your mom and dad are perfect. What it means, though, is you come from a good Christian home. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you go to a Christian school? You go to a Christian school. Okay, it's about half of you, maybe about half. How many would say, uh, I go to, I'm homeschooled? Okay, yeah. Good, excellent. Homeschoolers are different. Um, In a good way, in a very good way. And uh, how many of you go to public school? Okay, all right, good, excellent. All right, good. Um, Okay, that helps me as well. That helps me as well. Uh, How many of you have been in your youth group for um, two years or longer? Two years or longer, you've been in your youth group. Okay. How many many of you, this is the very first year uh, that you've joined the youth group? Would you raise your hand up good and high? Okay, that's awesome. That's good. That's about, uh, I'd say about 20% of you. That's awesome. Uh, How many of you are uh, 11th graders? 11th? Okay. Okay, watch, watch this, watch this. How many of you next year, your 11th graders, you'll still be 11th graders? Okay, excellent. How many of you have been 11th graders for a couple of years? Okay, excellent, wonderful. Yeah, I'm 27. Good, excellent. At least you can count that high, that's wonderful. Yeah. How many of you, um, you like to drink diet, diet drinks, diet drinks? Just, hey, just for the taste of it. Just for the taste of it. Yeah, I'm a Diet Coke guy, uh, Diet Pepsi guy. Um, you go to a restaurant, you know, the sit, ga- sit down kind of restaurant, and you're with your youth group. You notice that when the waitress comes around and asks for your, the server comes and asks for your drink, uh, you, you order your drink. You ever notice there's always somebody in the crowd, it's usually a girl, who says, uh, no, I'll just have water. You know, do you have someone like that in your youth group? And you... And you know why they're saying it. What, what they're really saying is they're looking at you and saying, I'm healthy and you're not. That's what, she's, that's what they're saying. Or what they're saying is, oh, I'm not going to spend $2.79 on soda. That is such a waste of money. They're Pharisees. That's what they are. People that order water at restaurants are Pharisees. It's very true. It's true. And, and, you know, and, and I got to thinking about that, really, because they're acting as if water is better than Dr. Pepper, which it's not. And, and I'm going to prove it, okay? I'm going to prove it. The Titanic. Okay? It hits an iceberg. An iceberg of what? Water! Yeah. Oh, I'll have a water, you know. 
basically, that person that orders the water is basically saying, I like to kill people. That's basically <laughs> what they're saying. And, and then they feel, they feel like it's okay. No, and and I'll, I'll have the water with lemon, with lemon. Oh, okay. You put a lemon in it, then it's okay. Just put a lemon on the iceberg and then the Titanic would not have sunk. You put a big lemon in the tsunami and no one drowns, right? It's crazy. Just order the Dr. Pepper, let your parents pay for it and be done with it. That's what I'm saying. It's right there. It's right there. This guy, Joe Ash, what a, what a guy. He died when he was 47, which is kind of disturbing because I'm 45. Uh, Joe Ash, really, for most of his life, he appeared to be a great guy. He, he had a rough start. I mean, Joe Ash had a dad who was nowhere. His dad's name was Ahaziah, and uh, I mean, he was wicked. And uh, he had a grandfather whose name was Jehoram, and Jehoram was wicked. And Joash, he just didn't have a good start. Matter of fact, the Bible says that uh, when Joash was seven years old, his dad died, and uh, when his dad died, his grandmother, and her name was Athaliah. What was her name? Athaliah. And Athaliah, she was a mean woman. I mean, she was like a combination of the wicked witch of the West and your seventh grade grammar teacher. I mean, she was bad. Maybe not that wicked, but she was wicked. And like what normal, what do normal grandmas do? You know, normal grandmas, they knit things. You know, they watch soap operas. They just do normal things. This grandma, you know what she did? She killed little children. That's what she did. So when her son, Ahaziah, died, she wanted to be the queen. So what she did is she had all the children that had any chance whatsoever of ascending to the throne, she had them all killed. Nice lady. She probably drank water with lemon. But, uh, I mean, unbelievable. So she, uh, she had all the kids killed, but there was this lady by the name of Jehoshaphat. What was her name? Jehoshaphat. That's a cool name. And Jehoshaphat was married to the priest, and his name was Jehoiada. And so Jehoshaphat and Jehoiada. It's like you families, like that, that the parents name all their kids with the same letter, okay? Come on, you know? Oh, yeah, and my name is Dan, my brother Don, De Doug, David, Dean, you know, Denarius. I mean, okay. You know, if you're from a family like that and you're child number seven, you have a weird name. That's just the, that's the fact. And so here's Jehoshaphat. And here's Jehoiada, and what do they do? They find this little baby, Joash. He's just a baby. Athaliah has killed all the other children. They realize that if God is going to, if there's going to be a, throne, a king on the throne of David, they're going to have to step in and save this baby. And so they hide this little baby. And that's a hard thing to do. It's hard to hide babies. Why? Because they make noise. And if they don't make noise, you can smell them a mile away when they do their stinkies in their diapers. And so they're hiding, they're hiding this little baby. And the Bible says for seven long years, they hide Joash. 
that was very dangerous because at any point, if Athaliah had caught them, then she would have executed them and also killed the baby. And so they were very brave. And for seven years, they raised Joash. His dad's dead. His mother's dead. For seven years, they raised this little baby, Joash, raising him to be a king, raising him to be somebody special, raising him to serve God. That's what they do. And uh, Joash becomes a, a great kid. And after seven years, they anoint him to be king. And, and for four, almost 40 years, he reigns. And all, almost all of his reign, he does a great job. But then the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 24 that when Jehoiada dies, he's 130 years old when he dies. When Jehoiada dies, then all of a sudden, Joash turns into this other guy. When Jehoiada dies, all of a sudden, Joash, he, he no longer serves God. He no longer loves God. He no longer worships God. All of a sudden, he turns into this, this, this different guy. When Jehoiada dies, Joash changes. Say, Pastor Skelly, how in the world can that happen? Well, I'll ask you the question. Yeah, how does that happen? How does it happen when the spiritual influence of your life goes away that all of a sudden you change? Or can I say this? Maybe you don't change at all. Maybe that's who you always were, but as long as there was a spiritual influence in your life, it appeared that you were somebody that you're really not. Could that be the case? Say, Pastor Skelly, does that happen in the 21st century? Well, let me ask you this question. Those kids that graduated from your youth group last year that were so avid in your youth group and went to teen soul winning and, and went to, to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and they had some standards in their life, how are they doing now? That they're out on their own. How are they doing now that they're not in the youth group? How are they doing now that they're not in the rules in the Christian school? How are they doing now that they're not uh, in that youth group anymore? I mean, when Jehoiada leaves, what kind of person are you? When there is nobody there to watch you, when mom and dad aren't home, when the youth pastor's not inspecting, when you're at the uh, event all by yourself, what kind of person are you? Because the person that you are when Jehoiada is not there is the person that you really are. You're not the teenager that you are in the youth group. You might just be doing that to please your youth pastor. You might just be doing that because you're afraid of getting caught if you do something wrong. But who you are when Jehoiada's not there, that's who you really are. So I want you to think about this guy, Joash. I want to talk about him for a few minutes. And I want you to plug your name in. I want you to see if this person, Joash, is a little bit like you. All right? First of all, let's talk about how he was raised. Would you look back at chapter 23? Let's talk about how Joash was raised. Would you notice, please, verse uh, 11 of 2 Chronicles chapter 23? Actually, chapter 22. 2 Chronicles chapter 22, and notice verse 11. How was Joash raised? The Bible says, but Jehoshaphat, the daughter of the king, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, stole him from the, among the king's sons that were slain, and put him and his nurse in a bedchamber. So Jehoshaphat, the daughter of the king, of Je uh, the king Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada, the priest, she was the sister of Ahaziah. This is actually uh, Joash's aunt. And uh, hid him from Athaliah so that she slew him not. Verse 12. And he was with them, hid in the house of God six years, and Athaliah reigned over the land. Hey, how was Joash raised? Okay, I would say in the first place, Joash was raised with great provision. 
You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor Skelly? What I mean is that all of his needs were taken care of. Somebody stepped up to the plate. It wasn't his own mom. She was gone. It wasn't his own dad. He was dead. But just somebody stepped up to the plate in his life and raised him. Just like some of you. Maybe you're not raised by your mom and dad. Maybe you have a stepdad or maybe you have a, a, maybe an aunt or a grandparent raises you. But whoever that is, your mom, your dad, your stepdad, your aunt, your grandma, whoever that is in your life, thank God for those that work hard to provide what we need. And that's what's happening here in 2 Chronicles chapter 22. There is provision, physical provision. Somebody's feeding him. And by the way, six-year-old kids can eat a lot. I'm telling you what, have you ever watched a six-year-old eat? I mean, they're incredible. Uh, they put, you put a big bowl of Captain Crunch, God's cereal, with red cap milk in a mixing bowl, you know what I'm talking about? And they can eat and uh, babies can eat. You have to kind of have fun with them. You'll here comes the airplane. Back in those days, here comes the chariot. You know, and they feed them all kinds of weird. But kids can eat. So they're providing their fit, their, his physical food. They're providing his spiritual food. I mean, they're taking care of him. They're providing for him. You say, oh, Pastor Skelly, what's the big deal? Okay, here's the big deal. Do you know that 25% of the world's children go to bed hungry every day? Did you know that? Did you know that 25% of the children in the world go to bed hungry every single day? Go with me to Nicaragua like I did last June and watch the kids, younger than you, watch them as they forage in the city dump to gather plastic all day long so they can sell that plastic for enough food money to eat for one day. I'm just saying, listen, having food and raiment, we need to learn how to be content. And if somebody feeds your face and somebody and there's food on your table and you've got clothes to wear and you've got shelter over your uh, over your head, listen, you are blessed of God. And here was a man that was raised. His physical needs were provided. His spiritual needs were provided. Hey, he was raised in the house of God. Just like many of you, your parents sacrificed to make sure that you're in church and in many cases sacrificed that you might go to a Christian school and they pay extra money for that. Or if you're homeschooled, paying extra money that you have the curriculum there in the homeschool. I'm just saying that you are provided for physically and spiritually. Thank God for that. That's how Joash was raised. There was provision. But not only was there provision, there was protection. Notice, if you would, chapter 23 Chapter 23, and to look at verse uh, 8. Chapter 23 and verse 8. The Bible says, so the Levite, well, let me give you the background. Here's what uh, Jehoiada did. Jehoiada said, okay, it's time to anoint the king. And he knew that Athaliah would be mad. So he secretly gathered all the priests and all the Levites and all the chief people from all the country. On a special Sabbath day, they all came to Jerusalem. He divided them into three groups. He said, okay, group number one, you're going to guard all the gates of the temple. Group number two, you're going to go down to the king's house. You're going to guard the king's house. Group number three, you're going to go over by this section of Jerusalem and guard there. And don't let Athaliah in. All the people, you're going to be in the court of the temple. And we're going to, make, we're going to promote the king today. Uh, so th- he was being protected. Look at verse 8. 
So the Levites and all Judah did according to all the things that Jehoiada the priest had commanded and took every man his men that were come in on the Sabbath uh, with them that were to go out on the Sabbath for Jehoiada the priest dismissed not the courses. Verse 9. Moreover, Jehoiada the priest delivered to the captains of hundreds spears, bucklers, that would be a shield and, and a, a small shield and then shields that had been King David's which were in the house of God and he said all the people, every man having his weapon in his hand from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple along by the altar in the temple by the king roundabout then they brought out the king's son and put put upon him the crown so what's happening here okay not only is Joash receiving provision somebody's feeding him someone's taking care of him spiritually someone's raising him in the house of God but they're also protecting him he has a personal bodyguard he's got the, the army he's got people that have weapons around about him hey listen his guardians Jehoshaphat and Jehoiada took no chances when it came to Joash. You know, sometimes we look at the protection that our mothers and our fathers and our pastors and our youth pastors and our Christian school teachers and our leaders in our life, sometimes we look at the protection that they have in our life and we think, well, why do you have all these rules in my life and why are you always hovering around me and why are you always, uh, why are you always guarding me? And I'll tell you why, because we're prone to wander, that's why. Why? Because we're weak. That's why. Because we can't care for ourselves. That's why. Because we need adults in our life that love us, that protect us, that are there for us. And that's exactly what's happening in Joash's life. He has provision and he has protection. And if you've got a mom or a dad that have a curfew for your life and you've got a pastor or youth pastor that tell you some hard things every now and then, have some rules for you, listen, thank God for that. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. There is protection. There is provision. But not only is there protection, not only is there provision, watch this, number three, there is promotion. I love this. Look at verse eight, please, of our text, or verse 11, rather. Chapter 23 and verse 11. Then they brought out the king's son. He's seven. They put him up, they put upon him the crown. Probably didn't even fit, probably went over his neck. They gave him the testimony. That means the, 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 uh, the law. And made him king. And Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and said, God save the king. And get this picture. You've got all these important people. You've got the priests. You've got Levites. You've got the leaders of the families. You've got Jehoiada, the high priest. You've got all the important people in the country. They take this little kid. He's seven years old. They put him up on the platform. They take this crown of gold. They put it upon his head. And the whole crowd, probably a crowd much bigger than this crowd, they all shout at once, God save the king. They're investing in this child. Say, Pastor Skelly, what in the world, what, what application can we derive from that? That's this. You know, there's a bunch of people in your life, adults, important people, like your mom, like your dad, like your pastor, like your youth pastor, like church members that are, are trying to promote you. Did you realize that? Did you realize the goal that your mom has for you is she wants you to be the best you can be? You realize the goal that your dad has? He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to keep stuff from you. He wants you to be the best you possibly can be. You know the goal that your pastor has for you? He's not trying to make your life miserable. He's not trying to get in your face. He loves you. He wants you to be a king one day. Yeah, that's the goal that your youth pastor has. That's why people sacrificed that you might be here. That's why people paid your way. That's why bus drivers drove hours and hours. Why? Because they want you to be a king. They want you to be promoted. They want you to be all that God has for your life. They want promotion. And yet we fight against that. 
We, we, we fight against the people that want the best for us. We fight against the people that want to promote us. We fight against the people that want better for us than they even had for themselves. You'll never understand that until one day uh, you become a parent yourself. You'll never understand that. But I promise you, if you'll, if you'll remember this day, that day, one day, when you'll hold a baby in your arms, that day, one day, years down the road, when you'll have that little son or that little daughter, you'll look at that life, and for the first time in your life, you'll realize that your life is not about you, it's about other people, and you far more desire for the blessing to be upon that baby than the blessing be upon you. That's the way your pastor looks at you. That's the way your youth pastor looks at you. That's the way your mom looks at you. That's the way your dad looks at you. They far more more want you to be blessed than they want blessings upon their own life. So I wonder, are you responding to the raising of your life by good and godly people who are providing, who are protecting, who are promoting you, who want more for you than you even want for yourself? That's how Joash was raised. But notice with me, secondly, this morning, not only how Joash was raised, notice how Joash reigned, how he reigned, R-E-I-G-N-E-D, how he reigned. Would you look at chapter 24? How did Joash reign? Look at verse 24, or chapter 24. Joash was seven when he began to reign. He reigned 40 years. Look at verse 2. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. This is how he's reigning. He's doing what's right. All the days of Jehoiada, look at verse 3, and Jehoiada took for him two wives. He, he allowed, he did, he did right, that's verse 2. Verse 3, he allowed his spiritual authorities to help him with his important decision making. Did you hear that? He allowed his spiritual authorities to help him with his decision making. Hey, Jehoiada chose his wife. Back in those days, some people had more than one wife. Bad move, but they did it. And uh, Jehoiada chose his life's partner. He allowed the authority in his life to give him counsel. He allowed the authority in his life to help him make big choices. Hey, he's doing, this is how he's reigning. He does right. He submits to authority. Look at verse 4. And it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. He did right. He listened to authority. He put God first. He did right. He listened to authority. He put God first. Hey, that's the way he's living his life when he's eight. Well, you say, well, that's easy when you're eight, okay? That's the way he lived his life when he was 18. He did this for 40 years. We don't know exactly when Jehoiada died, but the implication is he died toward the end of Joash's reign. And so when Joash was your age, he was doing right. He was listening to his authority. He didn't have to. He was the king. He was the final say. He could have demoted Jehoiada if he wanted to. But no, he chose to do right. He chose to submit to his authority. He chose to put God first. That's what he did when he was 15, 16, 18, 21, 25. That's how Joash lived. Okay? He had priority. But watch this, number two. Not only did he have priority, he had passion. Look at verse 5. The Bible says he gathered together the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out unto the cities of Judah and gather of all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year. And see that ye, watch this, see that ye hasten the matter. Howbeit the Levites hastened it not. 
How did Joash reign? Well, he reigned with priority. I'm going to do what's right. That's priority in my life. I'm going to obey my authorities. That's priority in my life. I'm going to put God first. That's priority in my life. Okay, but watch this. Not only did he have priority, he had passion. He gathered all the priests and all the Levites. and say, Pastor Skelly, who were they? Okay, they were the religious leaders of the day. Of the day. They'd be like you teenagers saying, hey, uh, pastor, uh, mom, dad, uh, parents, uh, deacons, I need to meet with you. Okay, and I'm a little bit disappointed because you're not doing your job the way you ought to do it. And uh, the, the, the house of God is in disrepair and you're supposed to be repairing it. And so, uh, guys, here's what I need. Uh, I need pastor. I need you to preach the Bible and preach it hard. And uh, mom and dad, I need for you to, uh, to be doing your job. And deacons, I need for you to get back and, and get busy on church work. And you're kind of slacking off. And I need for all of us to concentrate on serving the Lord. Okay, can we do that? Can you imagine that? We don't know how old Joash was when he did this. But the implication is he's very young. He might have been a teenager. When he made this decision, what he's doing is he's saying, listen, my passion is for the house of God. My passion is for the things of God. And I want everyone, hey, everyone gather up. Listen, we're going to serve God, okay? And we're going to hasten to do it. What does that word hasten mean? It means we're going to make it urgent. We're going to do it quickly. Can I say this? Uh, I've preached in many, many teen rallies over the years. Many. Many conferences, many camps, many of you, I've preached to you at your church or at a camp or at a conference somewhere, and we've gotten to know each other. I praise the Lord for that. Can I say this? Some of, those, some of the most passionate Christians I've ever met in my life are teenagers. Some of, those, some of, the, some of the greatest Christians I, I know are teenagers. Some of the people that have the most passion to serve God, some of the greatest soul winners, some of, the, uh, some of those passionate people about the word of God, about prayer, are teenagers. And what I'm saying here in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 24 is Joash was an influence on his spiritual leaders. When Joash made a decision to serve God, when Joash said, I'm going to do right, I'm going to submit to authority, I'm going to put God first, hey guys, get around here, we need to have a passion about rebuilding the house of God and serving God. Hey, understand this, Joash was an influence upon his spiritual leaders. I wonder, are you an influence for good in your church? Does your, by the way, what, what does a teenager have that, uh, that adults don't have? Let me tell you this. You are, better at, you are better in your zeal and passion than an adult is. You have more, you have more, adults aren't excited about going to Six Flags today. Woo-hoo! Yeah! Now some are, but they're the weird adults, okay? <laughs> but you are, why? Because natural to your constitution is passion. It's natural. It's something God gave young people. He gave you passion. He gave you energy. He gave you that, that, that zeal. He gave you that devotion. That's why uh, every great movement, whether it be religious or political through history, has been, has been spearheaded by teenagers. The second great awakening, it was teenagers that were praying. Hey, Nazi Germany on the political side, it was the youth movement that got the job done. I'm saying that there's no telling what can happen in America if young people take their passion and give it all to God. That's what happened here. That's what happened in 2 Chronicles chapter number 24. Joash said, hey, listen, leaders. Hey, listen, religious people. We're going to have a passion for God. But notice what happens. Verse 5. Howbeit the Levites hastened it not. They had passion, but even the adults in their lives didn't have passion. 
They had passion, but even the religious leaders of their day, and sometimes that's what we do in our churches. We say, well, why should I be a soul winner? Why should I live right? Or why should I have high standards? The deacons don't, or my youth pastor doesn't, or even the pastor, he doesn't do that. Listen, it doesn't make a difference what others do. You just decide this day that as a teenager, you're going to take your youth and take your uh, young life and give it all to Jesus Christ. Have passion. We're passionate about everything else in the world. Except for Jesus Christ. Joash, at least for a time, here's how he reigned. Hey, I'm passionate for the things of God. There was passion. There was priority. There was persistence. Look at verse 11. It came to pass that at what time the, uh, the, uh, the chest was brought unto the king's office by the hand of the Levites. And when they saw that... Uh, there was much money. The king's scribe and the high priest officer came and emptied the chest and took it and carried it to his place again. Thus they did. Watch it. The end of verse 11. Thus they did day by day and gathered money in abundance. Thus they did day by day. Look at that, the end of verse 14. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually. Hey, what's the key to living a life for God? Can I say this? Not West Coast Baptist Conference Youth Conference. West Coast Baptist College Youth Conference. That's not the key. Not big services like this. Not coming to an altar. That's not the key. You know what the key is to living a life for Jesus Christ? Your day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year habits. You show, me ha- you show me your habits, I will show you success. See, we think that uh, conferences are the magic button. Ho, oh, ho, I just heard a, a, a great message and I'm all jazzed up and so I'm going to come forward and make this big decision. I'm not disesteeming the decision. I think habits begin with a decision. But decisions never changed anybody. Just because you decide you're going to serve God, just because you decide you're going to be a soul winner, just because you decide you're going to give up some sin, just because you decide you're going to live holy, it doesn't make it happen. It's just a decision. And to prove that, how many times have we made those decisions and gone back on them? How many times have we gone to an altar in sincerity, with tears, uh, with all the intentions in the world to live for God, but we go back to our seats and we live the same old life? No, the key is... The habits we're going to put into our life every single day. You need to make some decisions. And here's the big decisions. You know, you can make a decision to come to the altar today and be a missionary to China. And that's all well and good. But that'll probably never happen if you're like most kids. But you know what you could do today? You could make a decision today that you will never eat physical food on any given day until you've read your Bible. Now, that doesn't sound like a big decision, but you know what that decision will do? Change your life. No Bible, no breakfast. Some could come to an altar today and say, I am making a holy vow to my God that I will never put physical food in my mouth on any given day until I've read a portion of God's word and develop that habit. You know why? You show me your habits, I'll show you your success. 
You show me what you do day by day, I will show you what you'll become. And Joash reigned with success, at least for a time, because day by day, he superintended that offering for the house of God. Continually, he offered those sacrifices for God. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It wasn't just a youth conference decision. It was day by day and week by week and month by month and year by year. And at least for a time, it just appeared that he was so successful. Why? Because of his persistence. You know, I'm afraid that the average young person, I would afraid, I, I, we, and sometimes we look at a conference like this and say, this is the hope of America. And by the way, you are. You are. Conferences like these, you are the hope of America. And guess what? The hope of America, probably 90% of you don't read your Bible every day. The hope of America, probably 90% of you don't have a secret place every day that you resort to to pray and spend time alone with God. Probably, probably 90% of you don't on a weekly basis give the full gospel presentation to somebody. And we're the hope of America. I'm just saying that the big decisions are the small decisions. And what a great thing it would be out of this youth conference just to decide, hey, every day of my life, I'm going to read my Bible. And every day of my life, I'm going to spend time alone with God. And every day of my life, I'm going to try to pass out that gospel tract. Every day of my life, I'm going to live holy. It's all about persistence. That's the way Joash lived. That's the way he reigned, at least for a time. Hey, how was he raised? He was raised in a godly Christian environment. How did he reign? He had the right priority. He had the right passion. He was persistent. Hey, he had all the marks of great success. And yet we know the end of the story. Here's this kid that would have been the president of his youth group. Here's this kid that would have been the uh, who's who in the Christian college that he attended. Here's a kid that would have been written up in one of the, 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 the popular uh, fundamental magazines of the day as one of the, the, the up-and-coming pastors in his 20s. I mean, this guy had it. He wasn't the rebel. He wasn't the kid that sulked in the back of the room. He wasn't the kid that showed up sporadically at the youth group. Hey, this guy had it. Yet the Bible gives us a very sad end to his life. We see how he was raised. We see how he, uh, how he reigned. But watch me, thirdly, watch how he rebelled. Would you notice, please, verse 15 of our text? 2 Chronicles chapter 24 and verse 15. The Bible says, but Jehoiada waxed old. He was full of days when he died, and 130 years old was he when he died, and they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good as in Israel, both toward God and toward his house. It's a good testimony. Look at verse 17. Now after the death of Jehoiada, and we could say a number of things there. Now after you graduate from high school, now after your parents leave the room, now after you grow up and you're on your own, now, after the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah. These are the peers. These are Joash's buddies. These are the other guys that are ruling with him. And the Bible says the princes of Judah, and they made obeisance to the king. What that meant was, oh, they, they, they talked highly of him. They, they bowed down to him. Oh, Josh, you're great. Oh, Josh, you're wonderful. Oh, Josh, there's nobody like you. You're so smart. You're so powerful. Oh, Josh, there's nobody like you. We love you, Joash. They're feeding his ego. 
They made obeisance to him. And the Bible says, then the king hearkened unto them. Now, he knew what kind of men they were. Look at verse 18. And they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers. They served groves and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their trespass. Hey, he knew what kind of men they were. He knew where their heart was. They didn't love God. They didn't want to do what was right. But just because they paid him a little attention, just because they exerted a little bit of pressure, he changed. Jehoiada's not there to say, hey, don't hang out with them. Jehoiada's not there to say, hey, that's not a wise decision. No, Jehoiada's gone, and Joash has never learned how to stand for God on his own. He's only served God as long as there's a Jehoiada in the picture. Now that Jehoiada's gone, watch this. When the pressure comes, he falls. Boy, I've seen it a thousand times. I've seen a kid that was uh, the, the poster child of the youth group. When they turn 18 and get out under the rules, uh, their life falls apart. I've seen kids that uh, honestly have come to Bible colleges like West Coast Baptist College and have done so well and then have dropped off the face of the earth spiritually. Why? They were all good as long as human beings were looking over them. But you put them on their own, you'll find out who they are. Hey, who are you? Who are you? you know, I know you look all good and Christian today. I know you look all holy and godly today. I know that uh, your youth pastor would give me uh, big accolades about you today. But really, who are you? Down deep in your heart. John Rice used to say, you are who you are in the dark. That's who you are. That's who you are. I wonder, who are you? Oh, you look nice. You got your tie on. You got your hair combed just right. A little bit funky, but all right. But who are you really? Down deep. What are, you, what are you talking about, Pastor Skelly? I received the Spiritual Character Award in my Christian school. Well, la di da. That's the best that people could do looking at your life. Well, when God looks down at your heart, when Jehoiada's gone, when the Christian school's no longer there, when you don't have the youth group to guard and guide you, I wonder, who are you? See, when the pressure came and Joash's life and the people came, he bowed to that pressure when they gave him a little attention. And girls, let me just say this, because girls a lot of times tend to be a little bit more insecure than guys. Not always, but sometimes. Girls, just because a guy gives you a little attention doesn't mean you need to bow to the pressure. Come on, baby. <laughs> Give me a little smoochy smoochy. Why don't you sit right next to me? Oh, I've got to stretch. A little footsie, footsie. That makes me feel so good. You're so pretty. Oh, you don't mean that. Yes, I do. Give me a little smoochy, smoochy, smoochy. You know what's so stupid about that? Girls believe it. Girls believe it. Okay? Girls, when guys compliment your, your looks... Don't believe them. Guys are grimy. They're liars. I'm the exception to that rule. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is this. Don't bow to pressure. Just because someone of your peers says something nice about you or strokes your ego, gives you a little obeisance of how good you are, and you'll, you'll trade in your Christianity for that approval from your peers? Are you kidding me? 
Joash did. When Jehoiada was gone, man, he bowed to the pressure of his peers. But not only do I see pressure, notice with me, secondly, his pride. It gets worse. How can it get worse? But it does. Look at verse 20. And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada. Jehoiada was like his dad, like Joash's dad. Now Jehoiada's real son, Zechariah, has become the high priest. And he stood above the people. He said unto them, Thus saith God. By the way, that's what good preachers do. They preach the word of God. Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord, that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he also hath forsaken you. Hey, Zechariah said, Hey, listen, wake up. You're turning from God. Come back. But notice what happens here in verse 21. And they conspired against him and stoned him with stones. They killed him. Why? Well, notice what it says. At the commandment of the king. They killed Zedekiah. And who told them to do it? Joash. Joash, Mr. Priority, Mr. Passion, Mr. Persistence. Mr. Raised in the house of God. That same Joash, when Jehoiada was dead, now he's bowing to the pressure, and because he's so proud and doesn't want anyone to tell him that he's wrong, he kills Zedekiah. Now, pride will make you do some stupid things. The best thing to do is admit, God, I've wandered from you. God, my heart's not right. And thank God for a preacher that will stand up and point his finger at me. And I want to get right. I don't want to get rid of the messenger. I want to get rid of the sin in my life. And I'm wrong. And God, you're right. And God, I confess. And I repent. Bo, not, not Joash. No, he was too full of uh, pride. Why was he proud? Look at verse 22. Thus Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada, his father, had done. You know why he was so full of pride? Because he had an ungrateful, unthankful heart. He was full of pride because he had an ungrateful, unthankful heart. Thank you, says, I acknowledge I don't deserve this. That's why young people today don't write thank you notes. That's why young people today don't say thank you to a bus driver when they walk off the bus after a long trip. That's why young people don't say thank you when they go through a food line and get served. That's why young people don't say thank you to a pastor after he preaches a message on a Sunday. That's why young people don't say thank you when they get up from their meal at home after mom has cooked that nice meal. They won't look at her and say, mom, thank you for that great meal. That's why, you know why? Because they're full of pride. Because they think they deserve it. I'm owed this. And when you get to the place where you feel like you deserve everything and you're owed things, listen, you're full of pride. You'll make some really bad decisions. That's what happened to Joash. Boy, take me to, I'll take you to India with me, as I did several years ago. I'll show you these two ladies that cooked for us every single day. They got up at four in the morning. They cooked for our group and uh, they would have to actually go out and kill the chicken and pluck the chicken and, and, and uh, uh, all by uh, all the labor intensive uh, uh, means by which they would pre prepare our meals all day long and clean and cook. These two ladies were kicked out of their families because they became Christians. Their husbands disowned them. Their families disowned them. They lived in a, a little room the size of this piece of carpet. And they spent their whole life serving at their local church. They lived in a little room. You know what they said a thousand times? You know what they said a thousand times in the ten days we were in India? What they said a thousand times? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for coming to India. Thank you for preaching to us. Thank you for allowing us to serve you. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for sending your money. Thank you for starting churches. Thank you. They'd bow. They were honored. They lived in a room the size of your walk-in closet. And they couldn't stop saying thank you. And we live in our palatial mansions by world standards. We've got more clothes than we can wear in a month. We got food that, uh, uh, all kinds of food choices. We got everything and we can't say thank you because we're full of pride. Joash was uh, proud. Joash uh, was pressured. But notice with me lastly this morning, Joash was, he was punished. Because when you won't listen to God, then God has other ways to get your attention. And notice what the Bible says now in closing, verse 23. It came to pass at the end of the year that the host of Syria came up against him. They came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the princes of the people from among the people. They sent all the spoil of them unto the king of Damascus. For the army of the Syrians came with a small company of men. They just came with a small army. And the Lord delivered a very great host into their hand. Because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. So they executed judgment against Joash. And when they were departed from him, for they left him in great diseases, his own servants conspired against him for the blood of the son of Jehoiada the priest, slew him on his bed. His own servants killed him right there on his own bed. He died. They buried him in the city of David, but they buried him not in the sepulchers of the king. Here's Jehoiada, a godly old man. Here's Jehoshua, his godly wife. Lord, we want to help this baby and we want him to succeed and we're going to raise him. And they provided for him and protected him and they promoted him. We want you to be a king and we want you to serve God and we want all God's blessings to be upon your life. And, and as long as Jehoiada was alive, oh, uh, he looked like such a great guy, great priorities and oh, great passion for God, day by day doing what was right. But as soon as Jehoiada died, oh boy, that's when we found out who Joash was. And if you look at the other passage of Scripture that deals with this situation, 2 Kings chapter 12, don't do it now. Here's what Joash did at the end of his life. In order to save his life, he took all the things that he had raised money for over the years, all the beautiful gold things in the house of God, and he took all of them and he gave them to the king of Syria. And he died with nothing. He took all the good things that took a lifetime to earn. All the good things. And he traded it all in. And he died and they didn't even recognize him as a king. How sad. He was willing to trade all of his spiritual blessings to live his mediocre, lackluster, middle of the road, compromising, apathetic, carnal life. Like some of you will do. I wonder, who are you this morning? Are you really a teenager who serves God from the heart? Or do you just do what you do because you're in the youth group, someone's watching, those are the rules. You're not really real. 
Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.